Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Commission Podcast by Bald Move, uh, this little series we've got going here. Uh, we got a really good one today, one of my uh, favorites that we've done so far. We're doing Memento. Uh, who who actually commissioned this? This is the commissioner, Andrew Mount. Oh, back, yeah, he is. Back again. I think this is number Damn. four, the four-time club, five times. Something like that. He holds the record. I know that. Yeah. Uh, it, so Memento is a 2001 film. Uh, directed by Christopher Nolan, who okay. you probably know from Batman Begins trilogy, from uh, what is the the Prestige, Prestige Inception. Inception? Yeah, he's done a lot of a lot of really mind bending stuff. Right. It was adapted uh, into a screenplay by Christopher Nolan, based on a short story that his brother Jonathan Nolan wrote called Memento Mori. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has you know from what I could tell, I haven't read. It's got a very similar. Uh, plot engine and structure. Now, this is going to be a weird uh, commission podcast because we're going to spend a few minutes just talking about what we think of the movie as far as our opinion of it. And then we're going to get into hardcore spoilers. Normally, we just kind of mix and match because most of the shows we've seen, you know, I've been out for a long time, which this one has. But this also is is a very niche movie. It only made $40 million at the box office. It was kind of a not a cult film, but more of an art house film. It didn't get a huge release. And also... Mm-hmm. This movie, uh, you know, I'm a spoiler agnostic person, mm-hmm. but this is one of the few movies uh, that I think the experience of watching it for the first time can easily be destroyed by having any information about the movie whatsoever. Okay. So, so our discussion up front can be real short. <laughs> having said that, like my discussion is, uh, so this is a Christopher Nolan movie. So if you've seen his other works, you should go back to see this is one of his earlier films. Uh, it stars Guy Pierce, mm-hmm. who I don't know why he never became a bigger star than he was, and co-stars Time Machine. Yeah, yeah that didn't why. help him. Yeah, I saw that; it was not good. Yeah, it also stars uh, Carrie Ann Moss. So, so the last thing I remember Guy Pierce being in is the old guy from the Prometheus, the Alien okay. prequel. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, it also stars Carrie Ann Moss, who was Trinity in the Matrix. Another one I don't understand why she did become a bigger star than <laughs> I, she was. I think the problem there was Fido. Fido I was like a, seen that something where she had a zombie pet as a husband or something like that. It was yep. it was really weird. And it also stars Joey Pants, Joe yep. Pantalone. Is that how you pronounce it? P- Pantaleano, I think. Pantaleano. Well, it's, it's your people, Jim. I wouldn't yeah. contradict you. Uh, you know the. From the, such movies as The Fugitive, uh, <laughs> that's where I mainly remember him from. And also, also he's Cipher in the the Matrix. Sure, yeah, he plays a lot of weasels. The fourth Matrix movie got really weird. You know, <laughs> it's like they got stuck in the real world, and 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 yeah, the times yeah. all fucked up. And this is essentially a uh, a fugitive esque, like you know, the Harrison Ford, I guess, television series based movie, a fugitive esque criminal th- thriller where a guy is trying to unravel the mystery of his wife's death mm-hmm. with the kicker of him having a very specific type of amnesia that affects his short term memory. Yeah. So that's all I really want to tell about this film. Uh, we love it. I think it's rewarding to watch a bunch of times. You can really, really get uh, in depth, and there's a lot of mysteries to uncover. Um, you know, we did a like an hour and a half podcast on Inception when it first came out. Yep, because we were all up that movie's ass. And Inception is one of those ones I think you can actually figure out and come to a satisfying answer. You might not be able to prove it, but you know, I'm like 99% certain that this is this is what's happened. This movie. Because of the way it's set up, I I think it confounds you to come up with a for sure answer that, and it's not because of a flaw in the movie. No, that's kind of up. the point of the movie. Yeah, yeah. It, and 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 you, it is confusing and very mysterious and hard to follow. But that is a feeling you're supposed to have, mm-hmm. and that feeling gradually will go away by the end of the movie, and then again. Uh, it's really rewarding to watch um, on on another time to kind of figure this stuff out. So if you haven't seen the movie and you want to, uh, I know it's on Amazon prime. Uh, You can rent it there. You know, it's uh, they they got Blu-rays and DVDs. Some of the Blu-ray and DVDs have cool features where they uh, play the movie in different sequences and stuff to help you understand differently. (laughs) So that's something you could check out. I don't know. I don't think it's, I couldn't find anywhere to stream it for free. 
but still it's definitely worth your rental or even spend 15 bucks to get the blu-rays it's uh it's it's pretty phenomenal i agree okay with that big fat spoiler warning here uh switch it off now if you don't want this movie spoiled for you and you want to go see it yep uh let's get into the spoiler talk yeah um so i guess i want to kind of first off talk through our understanding of how this movie works so we can get a basis for then discussing the kind of deeper things about it. The way I understand this movie working is everything that is happening in color is mm-hmm. being told in five minute uh, s- scenes that mm-hmm. are going backwards in time. They're not literally yeah. playing backwards, but They're playing forward. But when the scene ends, it jumps back in time to before the scene you just saw in color. Then they always follow the same pattern. The first scene you see in a mm-hmm. color scene will be the last scene, the last image you see, and the next sequential color scene. Yeah, and that's usually marked by the end of, or sorry, the beginning of one scene overlapping and re reoccurring in the previous scene, yep. which actually is the next scene in color that plays. Yep. So you can keep track of it that way. And I think that's one thing that he does in this film that is absolutely brilliant yeah it gets you into a certain rhythm of understanding how this film is going to play out and you just intuitively understand it from the very beginning and then as you as he gets you deeper and deeper into that rhythm he kind of lets the rhythm taper off a bit so not to get tedious yep uh it really felt like i I watched a whole video on christopher nolan explaining the plot and the time the time in this and he really does a hell of a job creating that feeling when I saw this movie, um, I saw this at the buck fifty cheap shows in Greenwood, and I don't know if people this is like everywhere, but you know, here in the Midwest, we have this chain that you can go see movies for a dollar fifty. Mm-hmm. And I watched it on a, I think, a Saturday afternoon, and as soon as the lights came out, I immediately bought a ticket for the next show, and, <laughs> and I watched it again. And I've yeah, that's cool, never done that before, and I've not done it since. So. I just like I had to. It was a compulsion. Like I felt like mm-hmm. I had a pretty good idea by the end, but now I wanted like you know it wasn't available on video or DVD yet. I had to go back and watch it. Um, but so so you got the color things that are going backwards in time, but they're in, interspersed. So you got a color scene, black and white scene, color scene, black and white scene. The black and white scenes are actually being told chronologically going forward. Mm-hmm. So the colors are going backwards. The black and whites are going forward at the very end of the movie. There is a scene where the character shakes his Polaroid in a very dark thing, and it it, it transitions from black and white to color, yeah. and then the movie inverts on itself. So from that, you could – if you took all the color scenes and reversed their order and played them after all the black and white scenes, you would have one seamless chronological two-hour movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And now you also have flashbacks within that. Yes. To to both the uh, Linny's wife – and also a uh, case of his, as he was an insurance um, Sammy ad- adjuster or something. Yep. Yeah, this guy named Sammy Jenkins. Investigator. So he, he investigates people that are faking injuries for the well, insurance money. Not exclusively people who are faking. He, he tries to determine if they're faking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. the, the insurance agents send him out there when there's some kind of fraud suspected. Okay. So he's yeah, there so, to investigate. So during that time, he's talking about, you know, this Sammy Jenkins character who, you know, is injecting his wife with these insulin shots and uh, has the same kind of condition that he himself later gets. Yes. Um, and, and has during the bulk of the color scenes in this film. And the ironic thing about it is that he is convinced that Sammy's making it up on some level. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, he I mean it's his job to find out. Yeah. Certainly. And so he puts that to the test yeah. a couple of times and he ultimately comes to the conclusion that it is not a physical uh problem that Sammy has, it is a mental problem. Yeah. And his insurance uh, doesn't cover mental illness. Yeah. So he denies them their their money. And I think that's the crucial thing because some of the things we're gonna talk about, I actually was somewhat surprised that um a me- mental health people and neuroscientists consider this a very accurate depiction of what it's like to have this type of um affliction that this is a real thing and it's not but and and it's a real thing in the same sense that like being bipolar or depressed or you know schizophrenic is a real thing it's it's that there's nothing physically wrong with you there's nothing in the organism of your brain that physically prevents you from creating memories it's a psychological block Mm -hmm. um 
And that condition is called anterograde amnesia? Yes. It's short-term inability to form short-term memories. And there's been quite a bit yeah. of literature about the very few cases of these uh, th th that's happened to these people. And they're all pretty fascinating. Now, does and they're all pretty controversial. Does that condition also cover the idea that someone's brain could be physically damaged? Is I, that also the same condition? I think so. Because I know they, they kind of are dubious on the actual definition of that because they don't understand enough about how memories are formed. Right. So it, it becomes a little ambiguous, which I think this film plays with. Yeah, and a lot of things we call, ways. like, memory, like, you know, riding a bike. It's like, well, it'll come back to you like riding a bike. Yeah. That's, that's actually not stored in the brain that's part of your actually conscious memory. That is a muscle motor reflex. And, yeah. like, language is not stored there either. A lot of people that have – because you can have both forms of memory loss, long-term and short-term, so you essentially don't know who you are. Yeah. And you can't bad. form new memories, but you can still speak and catch a baseball. And because that's you stuff, know what things feel like, like he says in the. Yeah, the like movie. you pick up a glass. It's like, you know, obviously you'd be uh, a newborn infant if, if, yeah. if, if that wasn't the case. But your brain is really segmented in very strange, mysterious ways. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of the key to understand, <laughs> understanding this movie. And it's a lot of the okay. key to why I say that some of these problems not problems in the movie. Some of the dilemmas in the movie are unsolvable. So, hmm. all right, let's talk about that. And then we Christopher can... Nolan maintains that they're not. I... That in fact, there is a, a definitive version of this film in which events are absolute, an, an objective reality to this film, let's say, because he very much plays with subjective and objective realities. Uh, he says there is an objective reality to this film. I think he's, I think he's right, and I think I know what it is, but I don't think... The one thing I think is wrong is that you can prove it in like any. <laughs> he says with detailed just... study you can. Now I don't know if that's true. I, I'm I'm kind of with you, but but that's what he maintains. Well, it could be so... that Christopher Nolan doesn't understand the amnesia as much <laughs> as he does because I just like so. So we'll talk about that. Here's what I think happens. Um, the stuff we know happens. The stuff we actually witnessed happen is uh, Lenny kills a guy whose name's Jimmy G. And Joey Pants, uh, who is uh, Teddy. Teddy or J John. John G. also. J John G., yeah. Yeah. Is, is, let's is, just call him Pants. Let's call him Joey Pants. Yeah. Has set him up uh, to to do, do two purposes. To give Lin uh, Lenny a sense of purpose, a sense of fulfillment, and also to enrich himself. Because he is a crooked cop, and he sends him after Jimmy G., James G., John G., drug dealers, and ne'er do well across the country, has yeah. him kill him, and then makes off with the money. It's kind of like the perfect crime. Uh, but he also purports, and he has photographic evidence to support this, that he was the cop assigned to his wife's case. That, from Lenny's perspective, is a man broke in while he was sleeping and mm. strangled his wife. He came in, shot the man, and then he was clubbed from behind by this John G. who escaped. Second killer, the grassy knoll guy. Right. And the cool thing is, is the way he manages this system is through he's conditioned himself and used habits. Uh, so he like tattoos things on his body that he cannot forget. And he calls them. And, he's, and he also – these are kind of like bookmarks to go to this one two-inch thick police binder where he's got the details of his case. Yeah. But he's essentially trying to solve this, this mystery uh, of where John G. is. He's the one-armed man. You know, the one-armed bandit in the fugitive sense of the word. Yep. Uh, and and apparently, if we believe what Joey says, there's a big if. If, if Joey's a reliable narrator, Joey Pants, is that he set – he actually took pity on him and believed his story. Where the other police, um, they found him – they found a dead man with a sap in his hand and a gun in in Lenny's hand and his wife dead on the floor. And the police, like, there is no mystery here. So there is no second gunman. We don't. You're just you're just crazy. Joey Pants believed him and helped him find the original John G, who was really his wife's killer, and helped him kill that. And because he, he thought like this parrot goes with a parallel structure with Lenny. Lenny thought Sammy was faking it, and if he could just find a proof that he could get him to like, all right, fine, I'm faking it. All life will go on. I think uh -huh. Joey Pants thought the same thing about Lenny. But that murder didn't stick, and he went back, he forgot it, and he's you know still crazy about finding this guy. So mm -hmm. he started – now, that I don't know why, but he started with the idea of just sending him off to kill random John G's. And we don't yeah. know 
it was the murder in the in the film is the first time he did that or the so tip? that's interesting because okay i i, I don't want to i don't know should we get into specifics now or do you want to yes. talk about thematic stuff okay. no i think we've we've laid out now mechanically how this stuff works okay i, I mean there there's a wrinkle in there about you know what the reliable uh, the reliability of memory and stuff mm-hmm. like that, which they they go on about in throughout the movie, especially when the subject has memory problems himself. Yeah. So as far as whether or not this is the first time this has happened, uh, I want to ask you a question about the money in the trunk of the Jaguar. Okay. And it, I've seen this movie like five times more than you've seen it. And when I saw I've seen it, it exactly twice, this I, was my second viewing. I, and the first one was like 12 years ago. The, the <laughs> so. first and 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 when I first saw it the first two times, I crawled way up this movie's ass and read all the articles I could and got on <laughs> Internet and use net groups oh, back boy. in the day. Mm. And like so I I've got a lot more command of this material than you have. If, if that seems like that's the case, that's why. OK, Um so that money is coming from the drug dealer. Yes. Uh, to buy drugs that Teddy claims he has. Does Teddy actually have the drugs? I th- don't think so. I think it's a setup. So his setup is send the guy in a few, send Lenny in a few minutes before then. Yeah. And then follow him in there once he's done the dirty work and clean up. Yeah, and like add a boy, you got him, and then didn't take the guy's money. And unfortunately, this this um, this conversation unfolds, and Lenny gets angry and heads outside and steals, like makes off with the car with which has the money in the back, and yes. that is kind of the impetus for uh, Sammy or not Sammy, um, Joey Teddy's Pants. actions. Yeah, mm-hmm. Joey Joey Pants actions for the rest of the film. Yeah, and he's like, and again, get the you're, money. You're progressive many times to get the keys to his car, and also like, you need to, you just killed a man. We got to get the fuck out of town, <laughs> and you're driving yeah. around. I in, told you, you can't be around here. In the man, yeah, and which is very mysterious when you first hear it. It is, yeah. And he's like, you got to get the hell out of town because you're driving a dead the guy you murdered's car, and you're wearing his fucking clothes. Yeah, you think, oh man, he must like when he murders John G. Jim, Jimmy G. Uh, he, Jimmy's telling him, look, I'm not a guy you want to be fucking around with. The people I work for are dangerous, sure. all that stuff. So you think maybe he's running from the people that are above Jimmy. Yeah. Cause he just killed their guy. Yeah. But it turns out that it's, it's much deeper than that. Yeah. And there's like, you know, the, th- the other key to understanding is the person he's talking on the phone is Teddy, who is, he, he's got two personas, the Teddy persona, which is the just civilian buddy of Lenny. And then there's the officer, John G who is the police officer ostensibly asking him questions about his wife's case and getting him kind of worked up. And also the other thing about Lenny is he's so easy to manipulate. Yeah. Like, like, um, then the brilliant part of the movie is at the very end when he sets himself off on a, (laughs) as a guided missile to kill Teddy and revenge for turning him into this, killing machine mm-hmm. uh it's all he has to do is write down a license plate and then like he's wearing dead man's clothes dead man had a note to meet his girlfriend at a bar later i guess that's what i'm doing next yeah and he just goes off on this 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 random decision so I love- and starts adding facts facts to the case that are not about his original wife's murderer that's the thing I love about that little bit of confusion where he reaches into his pocket sees this thing for natalie and goes to the bar yeah that is almost his subjective, his like perception. Yes, all altering the course of events in an objective reality, right? Yes. Like Christopher Nolan is making a very, very big deal about can you trust? Like all you can trust is the objective reality. Uh, your subjective reality is very faulty. Yeah, and, and, uh, completely fallible. But it also goes the other way around. You can take your your subjective reality, and it may change objective reality. Yes, based on your perception of it. Yes. And I feel like that's the moment where I that really clicked for me. I was like, oh, my God, there's more to this movie. And there's that's one of the linchpins where I say I don't think there is an answer possible because we know for a fact that fact five and six are bullshit. <laughs> yeah, he, he set that up himself. So why do we think that facts one through four are ironclad or anything else? Like, But on the other hand, we also know that Joey Pants lies to Lenny throughout the movie to manipulate him. In fact, mm-hmm. everyone that he meets – 
is everyone. lying to him. Everyone, yeah. everyone is is fucking with him. Mm-hmm. The the motel owner, or which the, is the really shocking. Owner. To Carrie Ann Moss, who we kind of think of as like a heroic, I think it trades off her Trinity role, and like she plays like you know a goth good girl in most of the movies. Uh-huh. And she plays that very sympathetic character, but as we work backwards, we find out like really dark things about her and Lenny's relationship, and like that she's fucking him worse than anybody in in the movie, perhaps except for Teddy Joey Pants. Yeah, uh, sure. I, I think they're both about equal there. I mean, also, seems... I want to say fuck you to Nolan for naming your characters Teddy, Sammy. I know it's ridiculous. And, and Lenny, and Lenny. <laughs> like this is horseshit, man. Uh-huh. Shame on you, Chris. But I, that's also probably an intentional because it is another thing. I mean, this movie it confuses the matter. This movie is great at making us feel what it's like to be Lenny because but we're experiencing scene. We're experiencing time, uh, and the way that scene, the very first scene, actually rolls backwards yes. with the 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 photograph fading when he's shaking a Polaroid instead it's of the goat. It's dis- brilliant. Disappearing memories. It, that is how. That is what is going on in his head. Within ten minutes, we are in the same place that Lenny is. We yeah. we're disoriented. We don't know what the hell's going on. We're constantly finding ourselves in new situations that are recontextualizing the other stuff. It's, yeah, the, I mean, this movie without the structure that it has is not brilliant. Right. With, with this structure that he has put into it, I think it is. Uh, I think it's a masterpiece. I think this movie is one like even though yeah i feel like there are a couple of holes in there and it doesn't completely Maybe. make sense i'm not convinced there are i i know for a fact that there are tiny little plot holes in it okay like, how does he know when he, when he beats joey pants and drives off in the jaguar that it's fact number six that he's about to write because that ha- like it seems like his attention span is anywhere from five to 15 minutes long and he was just bare ass naked changing his clothes so I believe that he would have noticed that, you know, the facts on his body. Okay, I suppose you can play – but but it also makes a point where if he gets distracted by something else, he immediately mm. forgets everything else that he just was thinking about. Yeah. Like several times a door is closed or something like that to distract him. I, and And he has like – between that point and the point where he gets in the car, he has an extended conversation about his wife and all this stuff. But with, he's also – that's in the context of him remembering the fuck over – Joey Pants, which is con- conti- contiguous with his experience of being naked and seeing all his tattoos. I refuse to believe that a guy who gets distracted by a slamming door outside of a house but you is don't have going to, to have it. a conversation, think about his dead wife and all of these these horrible emotions that it must bring up, and then later on remember, oh yeah, it's fact six. But you don't have to believe that because why he's having those memories, he's writing down and setting himself up to be a cruise missile. So it doesn't require no, any he's belief not. in your play. No, he's not. I mean, that conversation, he puts on the suit. Yeah. And then he hits Joey Pants or whatever. Yeah. And they have a long-ass conversation. Right. About mentally strenuous stuff. Yeah. Emotionally I, strenuous so stuff. So that's the other thing I think it's interesting about Nolan is like – it would have been a much tidier if he had just said fact, license plate number, and then he could have yeah. filled out what fact number it is at the tattoo parlor. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I don't. I think it's within the performance envelope of his memory to remember that. Um, okay. And but you're right. It's it's kind of ambiguous. <laughs> we'll have to agree to disagree there. Right. Uh, but but the I, other I thing know, is, like I said, since this is Nolan, a tiny point. It's it's Nolan. It's yes, it's a tiny point. But I wonder if it is significant. Like he, he said, he's made this claim that there is a conclusive proof to this movie. I wonder if some of those things where we don't understand are collectively the answer of the movie. Perhaps because it's also interesting in that scene that he is either remembering things as they actually happened, as mm-hmm. Teddy describes them to him, or he is conflicted about the memories that he is sure of mm-hmm. and the distortion of memory that Teddy is trying to feed him. Right. Uh, now, and- I also know that like there's an interview with Christopher Nolan's brother where he outlines what he thinks that he actually says as fact, like things about the movie. Like he presents it as fact that Lenny has escaped from a mental institution. Okay. I don't think you can prove that from the movie, but I there think is that has to be implied. There is one – here's the thing that I think is the linchpin for understanding the movie. There is a subliminal cut in the last third of the movie where he's telling in the black and white story about Sammy being in an institution after he, he, he does the disastrous test on his wife or his wife does the disastrous test on him, whichever, which is a great scene in the yeah. movie. 
where a, a, a doctor or a nurse walks in front of Sammy and for like three or four frames, it's like a Brad Pitt uh, fight club sequence. It oh. splices in uh, Lenny sitting in the chair and in mental institution instead of Sammy. Now that happens chronologically well after Joey tells him this story about, you know, I'm setting you up and you were the one in the insulin. Your wife didn't die. Mm-hmm. You killed her with the insulin. It was you, not Sammy. Sammy's just a con artist. You're remembering what you want to remember. This is all consistent with a person that has short-term memory loss. This They can just decide. And it's not like... Well, the, it's repetition too, right? The tattoo on his hand is there to remind him about the story right. that he had... That he, had investigated before this which a lot of people say well the obvious flaw of this movie is every time he wakes up he should be like he shouldn't be like i have a condition he should be confused i submit that he sammy, is confused yeah, every sammy single Jenkins time is the reminder of the condition he, and, and that, he said that was his first tattoo obviously yes. that's the most crucial thing to remember is that you have a condition he's familiar with the patient that had a condition so the first thing he sees is his hand that says remember sammy Jenkins." i don't think that's a plot hole at all i think that's that's something that someone's seen the movie one or two times says I agree. I agree. Okay, because that's uh, what George, that's what the late great Roger Ebert's problem with the movie was too. And yeah, I think I think Ebert is one of those critics who saw the movie once, had to write a review for Deadline, and then didn't get a chance to go back and. But the, I also agree with his overall thrust, which is I don't think understanding to this intimate detail of the movie yeah. as at all impacts the viewing experience. I think you're right. The first time you watch it, maybe the second time, is the most emotionally connected to be at the film and then it's just you're trying to figure out the mystery but yeah, what i'm saying I, is i i enjoy figuring out those mysteries I, I, you know i obviously i like to take a microscope to christopher nolan's plots that's what we do interstellar yeah. inception all these things yeah. yeah so the other thing i want so, so if we go back and talk about what i what what led us here there's that scene where there's a subliminal flash that happened well after joey p told him about what he's been doing to manipulate him and the fact that he's manipulating himself. If that is so that implies it has to be a legitimate memory, doesn't it? Because there's no way he could remember that false memory. No, I mean the memory is very uh is is subject to suggestion as well. I think that where he he remembers, he recontextualizes him pinching his wife with injecting an insulin. Yeah. You could debate that because that's him Okay, remembering but, but, it's, it's re- his own memory being overlaid with what Joey P is yeah, telling him. It's almost a battle of memories, right? But, the, but earlier in the film, which is later chrono- chronologically, <laughs> you can't make that argument. Okay. Uh, but sure. they also make a big point out of that. The way his system works is through conditioning, which yeah. is, is the way memory experts say this works too. So if this is the sixth time Joey has told him this and he's been telling them on, on, on the phone, it's possible that, this is a part of his conditioning that now none of his memories are reliable. And that's the other leg uh, that I'm standing on saying that there is no way to definitively unravel this movie because of the nature of his illness and yeah. the fact that the, the the nature of this illness responds to conditioning. We don't know. We know it's been at least a year since the murder. If, if Joey P has been filling his head full of this stuff for that long, he could be having just as big of effect as Leonard's own subconscious at what he's mem- remembering and misremembering. Yeah, and I think a, a big question is how much time has passed between his wife's death and the timeline of the film. That's, it's a year. They uh, say it's a year. Well. Joey no, P. They, says it's a year. and Sure. And well, I how kn- much do you trust him? Well, but I know the other thing is Lenny could at any time look at the police report uh, and look at the dates on, the date that, on that and, and then look at a, look newspaper. At a newspaper. So yeah. it's like I believe when he says it's been a year that it's probably been a year. So you think that Pants is the one feeding him this story about Sammy Jenkins? No, I think that's a legitimate case that he had as an insurance adjuster or an insurance investigator. How does a man with his condition, his memory condition, mm-hmm. formulate a story and repeat it enough times to himself for it to stick? Well, so that's the, th- that's the question of this uh, problem memory problem is it, it's not physical damage. So the blow he took on the head – is might not be. It, I get it, but but his whole thing, his whole, the reason his system works is repetition, like you yeah, said. Right. He has to hammer this the same exact story into his head over and over again. Yeah. To believe that Sammy Jenkins uh, was the guy who killed his wife with the the insulin. But that's what he wants How, to believe too, because the realization. Because the other thing we're left to wonder is did he lose his memory 
the night of the attack, or did he lose his memory when he well, he had to lose his memory if he killed his wife with the insulin. So never mind. He definitely lost his memory at the night of the attack. That's a dead end that just went down. Yeah, I no, I think he has to have, but so so my thing is, okay, let's say he decides, oh my God, this is horrible. I don't want to remember this or whatever. Yeah. Uh because he remembers, you know, his his wife's death at his hands with the insulin or or whatnot. Or he vaguely remembers it in some kind of shadowy way, fragmentary way. Uh, I I don't know. I'm I'm having a hard time parsing out the idea that a guy who has this memory problem could tattoo on his hands, remember Sammy Jenkins, and he knows the story of Sammy Jenkins. Sure. He knows it intimately. And if Sammy Jenkins did not, in fact, have a wife who was killed by insulin, remember Sammy Jenkins wouldn't make that story conjure into your head. I think you're right, which is why I say, but but then you have to explain why he remembered himself in the mental institution long after a suggestion by uh, Teddy would have still taken effect. And that's where I'm like, you you can't say one another, because it's, it's possible that also both are true, that Sammy went to an institution after he killed his wife accidentally, and also Lenny found himself in the same situation after his wife was murdered and he had no memory, and he escaped from that and then found Joey P. And then, so it's like, I mean, it could I, be a pa- exactly parallel thing happening. It could be what, what reason would Pants have to lie to him about certain aspects of it then? Like if he's, a, he's telling him a, a mostly true statement about the Sammy well, Jenkins guy. Why would he lie to him about not having a wife? There's a lot of things that doesn't make sense, too. Like, why he pretends to be a police officer on the phone, but his best friend when he comes to meet him. Like, he switches personas. And also, he says, you know, he says a lot of outright lies to him about he tries to switch cars on. Of course, that's arguably to keep him from getting caught. It seems like he's trying to scam him, but then as we go backwards in time, it might be just that he's trying to keep from getting caught. You know, he talks a bunch of shit about Carrie Ann Moss, which turns out to be true. But I don't know that he knows that to be true. I mean, that, like I said, I mean, I think you can make good arguments for both. The one thing that, uh, you know, I I just keep coming back to is that subliminal suggestion that Sammy and Lenny are the same person. Yeah, maybe that's the thing that Nolan's pinning his statements on, too. But I also think that... Yeah, that's fine for him to say that, but if you try to interpret all the rules and the medical conditions and all this stuff consistently, then you can't say that's definitive proof. You just can't. Because yeah. it happened no, after I, I the incident, which uh-huh. means it's a suspect memory. It's a fragment. I like I believe a person have a memory like that. Like, you know, they're not sure you know, whether his wife is alive. And you can kind of see some flashbacks with that where sometimes when she's got that bag over her face or her head, it looks like she's breathing and, and she blinks and sometimes she doesn't. I, I, but the nature of that memory makes it where it's not a smoking gun. Is it possible? It's that, just another clue that can be interpreted a lot of different ways. Yeah, no, I, so, so what about this? Okay. Pants is for some reason, uh, probably to use him as a puppet to kill drug dealers and steal their money, uh, planting that memory in his head um, of of him being... He, he has over and over again done this. Yes. Of, you are not... Of Sammy Jenkins did not kill his wife, when in fact Sammy Jenkins did kill his wife, and uh, Lenny did not, but Sammy is now planting that and has been planting it for a year, for more time. You mean pants? Ever- Joey or Teddy. Yes, Pants has been planting that memory in Lenny's head time after time. And this is the time where it starts to stick a little bit. It starts to erase the actual factual memory he has of Sammy and override it with this false memory that's being created by Pants over over the course of a year where he's helping him hunt all these Jimmy G's. So there's another personal theory I've got is that – because there's a lot of thing about him saying, how can I heal when I can't perceive time? Yeah. But we see evidence of idea. him starting to heal because after he has this, you know, you, you, I understand that him doing this thing with his prostitute where he hires a prostitute to come in and sleep with him and have all of his wife's possessions scattered around a hotel room and then startle him awake by slamming the door yeah. was a way uh, to kind of like keep the remembrance of his wife alive. He's been, he, I'm, I'm, I think he's been doing that for a lot, for a long, long, long time, right? 
It seems like it. Like yeah. multiple I, times. I doubt this is the first time. Why? And he speculates like, how many times have I burnt your belongings before? But yet these four totems that he burns are the canonical things he always goes back to and then when he remembers the night of his wife's murder. So this so, has to be the first time is what you're saying? This is, so are we to believe that whatever psychological problem or perhaps physical damage is starting to heal to where he is starting to experience the desire to forget his wife and to move on and that this that that like I'm I'm combining this theory with what you just said that that there's a certain set of events that has enabled something to change that there's something stirring and that's what causes him to out of the blue burn his wife's uh, possessions uh to reject emphatic to to uncover the fact that Joey's been fucking with him mm-hmm. uh to uncover the fact that kind of uh uh by extension uh, what's her face is fucking with him and that he he is putting himself in a position where he can move on. Because the other thing is that one of the final scenes in the movie is him laying there with his wife with the I've done it yes. tattooed in the place that he said he always thought that he would put a, that kind of tattoo. Now, we know that that's an impossibility for that scene to be real. It cannot be real. But that also could work as a fantasy. And there's a lot of really cool existential things that he says. Like, oh, yeah. You know, just because you, you know, if I don't, just because I don't remember my actions doesn't mean my actions have no impact. Just because I close my eyes, it doesn't mean the world disappears. Sure. And, you know, and, and the idea that even if he can't remember it, his wife deserves justice. Yes. Uh, I, I believe that's true. And that's actually brings me to another interesting point. This movie anticipated all of my questions for the most yes. part and started answering them before I was able to utter them to you sitting across the way. Yep, yep. I, I was thinking, oh, I, you know, it probably doesn't matter that he can't remember it if his wife... Oh, yeah, they just said that. Okay, right, right, gotcha. Right. <laughs> and, and, and several other questions that I had um, were also answered in real time. Yeah. And also there's the, the way this film's set up is with the progressive tattoo reveals that we as an audience experience like, oh, God, this guy's got a bunch of freaky prison tattoos. And there's like slowly progressive revealed as he just rediscovers them, too, Uh in a way that would be so fucking corny if it wasn't for the structure of this movie and for the affliction that he's had. Sure. No, I I love the the questions that this film raises. I Um, also... So I don't think... I've never thought this before, and I think this is only in context of me recently... You know, recently, as in like between Thanksgiving and Christmas, watching this, listening rather to the serial podcast. Mm-hmm. But I also saw that there was maybe, I don't want to say a critique of the criminal justice system, but I saw some commentary in the criminal justice system too, because he says, you know, memories are irrelevant if you have the facts. Yet we saw how easily manipulated he is to having the facts. And from listening to Serial, we also know how facts are malleable and like they're, you know, you can be convicted solely based on someone's recollection uh, of, of, of what's going on. You know, there's not really any hard official proof. It's just so I thought it was kind of interesting, too, that this guy is essentially saying this is how the police do it. This is how justice works. This is how you get justice for his wife's killer. But then at the end, you find out that he's pursued something far from justice uh, without with, with just being manipulated without any intent to do so. Yeah. You know, and you think about this in terms of like the Innocence Project and all that. I thought it was – I don't know. I That's what I was thinking the late the, – the last time I watched this movie. Yeah. I mean I, I feel like that that idea assumes his – his affliction, his illness. Like, I, I think outside of that context, it's not super easy to manipulate the facts in that sort of way. Okay. Well, I don't know. I, 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 I was just astounded. My, the big takeaway from serial is like how little evidence you can be put away for life as a yeah, juvenile. I, the, the real core of that problem is, uh, listening to the fallible memories of weighing too heavily upon these these fallible memories of people, you know, taking what they say too seriously. You know, if a if a car was blue and you say it was red and right. there's nobody else to say it wasn't, right. and you take that at face value, you could convict the wrong person. But sure. this guy can recontextualize his entire factual world by changing clothes. Yeah. And having, some, you know, a matchbook he finds in his pocket. Oh, I was supposed to follow up on that. No, you weren't, you fucker. You just yeah. stole someone's clothes. What did you think about the scene with his wife? He remembers her reading a book that she's read a thousand times before. First thing I liked about that, she's reading the book without covers. 
ah. which is an interesting way to kind of play with the idea that this is a almost circular yeah. kind of plot with her yeah. having read it thousands of times. Right. It's like there's no beginning or ending. It's just a constant snake yeah. eating its own tail. Yeah. Uh, but where were you going with that? Just that he says, I thought the primary pleasure is, you know, finding what, you know, the story. I thought it was interesting in a movie where it almost guarantees you'll want to watch it again and soon that him say, I thought the pleasure is just in finding out what happens. Mm-hmm. At the end of the movie, okay. we found out what happens, but you want to go back and watch it again. I thought that was a kind of a slot, almost a pat on his own damn back from the Nolan brothers. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's about it that I've, I think we've, we've torn apart the movie. Uh, this is going to make no sense if you haven't seen the movie. So I hope you have and haven't seen it recently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get, go, get on the forums at forums.baldmove.com. I'll start a thread for Memento if you want to, you know, take issue with anything that we said, but yeah. I, I, and I, you know, we in the terms of these commission podcasts, I can't. I you know, uh, I'll probably after we get done recording this, go back and do some more research because I'm thinking about it. And I'll probably watch this movie again because I just found out my girlfriend hasn't seen it, and I'm like, well, fuck. Oh wow, okay. got to fix that. Yeah. Um, but I also I'm I'm intrigued that you and I saw this interview too, where Nolan says that yes, it's all there. You can figure it out. I believe that 100 percent about Inception. I don't believe that about this movie, and I wonder why he yeah. said that. I feel like the the nature of this movie. I, I don't know. I, also, could you say that those comments are consistent with the movie? Because it could be like we are, uh, we are, we are a movie viewing audience that's struggling with unreliable memories and narrator. And could he be the Joey Pants in the situation, telling us be. with absolute certainty what the story is? But we, we, but but we're in this <laughs> position of Lenny. Not. I mean, I could see Nolan really enjoying that joke aspect of it. Yeah. Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe he's playing an elaborate prank. I, I hope that he never ever buckles and tells us what the thing yeah. is. I hope. Like, I, I do his, like his stance on those grave. movies. I really like how he takes that stance. Uh, I gotta just say, I gotta give props to Christopher Nolan. I've seen that guy in this video speak about this film, and the film in itself, after the fact, is not like infathomably deep that someone couldn't come up with it, but. To construct this out of whole cloth, yeah. this film, I mean, that guy, that guy's a genius. Because the thing because is, it's, it's not just once that he's done this. It's many, many times. He right. thinks about these things very deeply, and he knows how to construct a film. Right. I mean, that is an innate gift that he has. Right. And I know there's there are his detractors out there that um, think that he's kind of a charlatan. Uh, but I don't, Man, I don't agree with that at all. Sit down and try to write a film like this, and then tell me that. Yeah, because that's we the thing. We discussed is, that on our, our – didn't we talk about Interstellar? Maybe, maybe we were just talking yeah, to each other, be. but but you were just like, I, I can't even imagine yeah. like, constructing the films that he makes. Yeah, because I would have – I could see coming up with a core conceit, but then to do everything you need to do to make that an airtight thing. And like the first time you run up against a scientific problem, be like, fuck, I'll never finish this. Yeah. This movie especially is like a Fabergé egg. Everything works when you're in in this format of going backwards in time, which is really kind of amazing. Yeah, um, I felt that same way about the Sixth Sense. Now, you know, I don't know what went on with M Night uh, and, and what his problem is because he made like two near perfect movies for me, uh-huh. and maybe that's all he had in him. And then he started believing his own myth or whatever. But uh, Nolan just delivers i haven't seen the prestige but now i'm like with child to see it because i hear it's, it's got it's a very similar brilliant. yeah you know very intricate wheels within wheels plot that is very airtight and holds up on unique view i mean that's the thing like yeah, it does that's why i get annoyed when people are like oh usual suspects it's such a mind fuck well that's because <laughs> he literally pulls the rug out from underneath you and goes ha ha yeah like nelson esk from the simpsons at the end of the movie that's horseshit. Mm-hmm. Doing something like this that confounds your expectations and then makes sense at the end, but you still have to rewatch it. And then you're rewatching, waiting to poke holes. Like you're ready to tear holes in this movie and you can't find any. It's really amazing. And I'm like, I'm, I'm with you. I think there are holes, but they're sure. holes that are kind of by the, by the design of the mechanical construction of the movie. I think you're right. Or, or they're so inconsequential that it doesn't matter. Yeah. 
Uh, I haven't found like the definitive article that I remember reading and I shared with you is this salon article from 2001. Yeah. And even that guy, after watching it six times and taking movies and, and re- like interviews, he introduced an error <laughs> of his own I, memory. I think this is perfect. Well, and I wonder, I also wonder if he, that wasn't something he did for shits and grins. Like I'm going to introduce an unreliable t- but, narrator into that. But doing that totally, I, I think that totally undermines the rest of his article, though. Because he's depends if it's deliberate or not. If he just made an honest mistake, I think it's bullshit. Because I would not if I'm doing a defi- that's the thing that makes me think he is fucking with us. Because if I'm a reporter doing a definitive take on this movie, if I had any question in my mind about whether this guy stuck his girlfriend or his wife with a needle at one point in the movie, or another, well, I've seen it six times and I have access to a video at this point. I'm going to make sure that my memory is clear. Why the hell would he do that? It's my impression that that was... He didn't have a deadline, I'm I'm assuming. He wrote this thing months after the movie came out. Yeah, no, you're right. I I don't know why that that slip is in there. Um, I, I don't like it if it's in there on purpose, just because the rest of the article is ostensibly about figuring this thing out. I, yeah. I, I, it, it betrays that aspect of it. Yes, it makes another point, but it totally flips it on its head in a, in a sort of usual suspects kind of way at the end yeah. that I don't really like. I, th- I think if you're sitting down for a purposeful article. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I'm more annoyed with him, but also it might be like he's encouraging people to do their own research. I don't know. I'm more annoyed if he just fucked up than I am if he's actually doing something kind of clever. Yeah, okay. I, I guess that's it. I, I like, agree I with admire that, yeah. the, the audacity sure. to do an experiment, and it's if you're going to do it, this is the movie that's appropriate to do it with. It's a pretty good troll. Yeah. Uh, but... But that's all that article is then. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, but I think the rest of it, that's the one thing that's wrong. And also True. it doesn't affect the outcome of what he eventually says because he, he has the same conclusions yeah, where – he actually says, I don't know what that means. Yeah, I – in my mind, I think I understand what happened in the movie. I just can't prove it. Yeah. And I think it's less likely that this other thing is happening in the movie, but I couldn't really disprove it other than, you know – what we've already talked for however long we've been talking about is. Yeah. And I, I wonder if, you know, the point of some of this is that you're not supposed to understand the plot. Right. But I mean, there's this, I mean, we haven't even really talked about the emotional experience of watching this, like seeing yeah. the evolution of how you feel about Joey P and, and Carrie Ann Moss, like the how fusion, the, how she goes from such a caring and sympathetic and almost tragic, wistfully sad character. And I still mm-hmm. haven't fully decided whether at the end, she has finally turned and been sympathetic to Lenny or whether she is also manipulating him for revenge on Teddy. Now, I I don't believe that she – does she know that he's the killer of Jimmy? Yes. I'm pretty sure that she's convinced and she's figured that out, that he's complicit Does she have actual evidence or has she just inferred it by Jimmy was supposed to meet a guy and – this I is think the guy it's that more comes the, back in his car. I think it's more the inference. And I think she's probably because here's the thing. At the bar, she shows legitimate remorse once he drinks the spit beer. Yeah, yeah. Because he goes to drink it again and she stops him. So and she said but then later on when she, I think she starts figuring out that like, oh God, I I'm in danger because of this bullshit, and you're involved and you're wearing my boyfriend's clothes and driving his car. Yeah. Like, I think she gets <laughs> she's she's vicious. She is, she is vicious, but then when she shows up later, first of all, she does it to help him out, but also it works to further her own revenge if she suspects that this Teddy thing is in, involved. And, and she might feel guilty for taking advantage of his his amnesia. The and she way that she, she has. could still pity him. Yeah, yeah. And there's mm-hmm. there's that kind of parallels with uh, the the tale of Sammy that you know Sammy's wife. One of the reasons she couldn't deal with it is because she felt guilty with how cruel she was to Sammy. Because of circumstances and all that. So I, yeah, but I mean, the visceral experience of thinking that this is kind of like this sweet uh, film noir love to a blatant manipulation to is, is just amazing. And there's a lot of funny stuff in it. Yeah. I was, like, especially with the Dodd situation, there's a couple belly laughs where he's in a bathroom and he's holding a, a bottle of gin or whatever. And he's like, I don't <laughs> feel drunk. Uh-huh. And then when and we see early on that was a weapon, 
And when and he's trying to ambush him, he just loses focus during the stakeout. And it, it almost reminded me of like John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. It's <laughs> like sitting oh, on the pod yeah. and getting ambushed, except here he's in the shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other one is when he's running after Dodd and he's like, I'm running. Oh, I'm chasing this guy. And then Dodd takes aim and fires. Nope, I'm being chased. And there's yeah. a lot of stuff like that that's just really funny. Yeah. And, you know, works with the premise really well. A lot of dark humor. Um you know, the situation I think he handled poorly in well within his right mind mm-hmm. is a situation with Sammy's wife where she comes to him looking for uh, something to believe is what he thinks. Just anything to believe. Right. And he completely gives her the wrong the wrong impression. You know, she says, break your shell of corporate life here for 30 seconds and tell me what you actually think. I don't think he could because he was, again, I'm you you you're you're going to. You're going to fight the if, – if I say I believe he's not faking, then you're going to fight the – you're going to appeal this. And I can't do that working for the insurance company. So you're you're saying that he doesn't break there no, at all? I don't think so. I think he wanted to. Because he gives to, a big sigh. I mean, but, he, but he doesn't do the – yeah, I think that he's like, what can I say to her to, within my fiduciary responsibility to my employers? But I also thought that was really interesting how the reason he But I mean he, he thinks, could tell her that it's – it is absolutely affecting his memory, but it is not a physical condition and therefore not covered. He doesn't have to say that he should be physically capable. He gives her... That's exactly he, what he said. He gives her a negative statement when he could give her a positive I statement. I agree, but I also think that and he I think still he thinks he's up. faking it because the in, in, later on when he's telling the story... He says, I thought he was faking. My gut says he's faking he, because I saw this flicker of recognition every time we'd met. But that's after they've done all the tests and they figured out this is not a physical thing. And he knows about anterograde amnesia. Yeah. And he knows that it can be a mental thing. And he doesn't tell her like he's faking. He says he is physically capable of forming memories. He could have said it is a mental condition, not a physical one that is keeping your husband from forming new memories it is not covered okay he, he doesn't have to give her this this outcome which is is casting doubt but then again th- th- he has a conversation later where he's like how was i supposed to know that she was going to you know it's like yes that seems, I agree he couldn't have known the outcome that seems like a dick move but you can stick with the company line while still giving this woman a reason to help her her ailed husband yeah, I mean, I'm not arguing with you. I just <laughs> I, don't I think, think it's a big problem. I don't I just, think it's a plot problem at all. I think it's it's a problem I had with his character before yeah. this thing. And I think that's also kind of goes into his, there's a monologue he has where he's like, you know, what it's like to be him. He's like, I feel angry and I don't know why. I feel guilty and I don't remember why. And, you know, this 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 thing, this life is just one big mystery to him. But I don't know. I don't know. It's the only indication I, I felt of this of there being plot for plot's sake. Like, but that's we need a way for this woman to test her husband and kill him. And, I totally buy an insurance agent him. would say something like that and not really think the matter through. I mean... Really? You gotta think he's agent. accustomed to dealing with people and he would be a little more savvy with how to break news kindly or like like a doctor doesn't come in and say you're fucked you got cancer in the lungs you're dead in a week he's not working for this this woman he's working for the insurance agency so his first responsibility is to secure them but he's been doing this he wants to give her false hope he wants to give her something that she can misinterpret as a way to appeal the claim i mean no no i think i don't think he i don't think he should do that at all i think he should tell her the facts that it's not covered this condition, but is the there condition a, is real. Is there a more perfect statement he could made that would better shield his humanity from his need to be a predatory insurance agent? Yes, there probably is, but I don't. It seems consistent. You just don't think the character would. No, and I, I also think that that was one of the ironies is that he got this massive promotion, and you know he personally profited from discrediting a person in in the position that he later on will become, which is another, I guess, meta argument for the Sammy. Uh, equals Lenny because what is the odds that he would be involved in fucking over a man's life and kill and indirectly killing a man's wife with ant- retrograde? What do you call an antrograde amnesia? Yeah. When he then shortly later suffers the same fate. Sure, like that yeah. is a meta argument yeah. to say that he and Lenny and Sammy are the same same person. All right, that's not proof. What do you think of uh, pants? Kind of dropping hints. Um all over the place during during this because i feel like maybe he is playing a story here a little bit um 
like you, you go to the scene where he's in the car and he's like, you know, you think, where'd you get the, where'd you get the car? Where'd you get the clothes? You're dressed real nice. You got a fancy fucking car. He's like, oh, I use my wife's insurance money. And right. he's like, oh, so you're the kind of guy who takes his wife's money and just buys a fucking car, goes by a Lexus dealership. Yeah, right. He's dropping hints throughout this movie. You uh-huh. know, it's not like he just suddenly, fine, fuck it at the end. Uh, you're this guy. Well, I think that there is a combination of he's been doing this long enough that he knows what kind of works to, like, you have to, you know, Lenny distrusts everybody, so you have to approach him mm. in a certain way to gain his confidence yeah, and to help him kind of reason through. I mean, the man's a logical, organized mind, uh, so so you can kind of, you know, that's the, you can manipulate him that way. And then also a combination of, like, the Carrie Ann Moss type frustration where you just want to like, I'm going to say something emotionally devastating to you and I know you're not going to remember it. So there, and I think yeah, there's, it's interesting you that- can kind of, you can kind of justify everything he says with those two lenses. Number one, okay. he's trying to I agree, like, like yeah. Sam, like that's the other thing about Lenny starting to understand what's going on. He tattoos yeah. on his arm and it's a very fresh tattoo. Never answered a phone. And that's when he freaks out. So now, like, uh, Teddy is dealing with this new hang-up. It's like, shit, I got to figure out some other way to come at this guy sideways and gain his confidence and 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 uh, uh, and his trust. Sure. He's maybe like our, maybe own... he's used that phone racket one too many times here. It's what it feels like. And now yeah. he's starting to suspend. It's also another way for him. Because the beauty him... of that is he's not going to remember his voice, right? Yeah. And and also, but... but, but <laughs> he's there... going to have a note, meet a cop at X yeah. place. Doesn't right. remember that it was the same guy. Yeah, and there's also a – yeah, it's weird how he didn't want to be filmed in that one certain position. I think that's significant, and I bet – I think it was taking a picture of his license plate, like his oh, actual really? car. Uh, yeah, I, I think maybe he didn't want to like – I don't know, because his car is parked right next to it. That's the only yeah. thing, and he, he switches the angle from the left side to the right. And also he didn't want to like be – I think part of it, he didn't want the ex- distinguishing – characteristics of the building he was at to be seen to okay. there's something significant in that but yeah yeah i forget where i was going with that all right but i think that yeah you can kind of rationalize all that stuff as for him just um but oh yeah that's where i was going that i think that's more evidence that lenny is starting to either through conditioning or healing or whatever he's starting to learn because now it's like i know Joey Pants gets me all twisted up when I talk on a phone. I'm not good on the phone. I got to remember that so I can shut this off. And then Joey yeah. evolves his attack to, you know, well, here's a picture of a Polaroid of you after murdering somebody. Better mm-hmm. pick up the phone. The cops are after you. It's like, you know, it's all. Yeah, I, I would think that a guy like Lenny, after a certain amount of time with this conditioned memory, would be very, very distrustful of everyone. Mm-hmm. He's being screwed over by everyone he knows, by everyone he's ever met. Right. And eventually that condition would just be to distrust everyone. Well, and I think that's also another... It's got to get harder and harder to manipulate him, I'd imagine. There, there's And there's so many ironies in this film. One of them is that even though his gut feeling of looking someone in the eyes let him down disastrously before, that's still something that he banks on. I need to see people in person so I don't get manipulated. Yet we see how pitifully easy. Like, yeah. I think one of the coolest scenes is like Carrie Ann Moss coming in and she starts just going around the room collecting pins. And you're like, yep. what the fuck? And then that pays <laughs> off the next time you see it. I mean, being able to look her in the eye, he drew the conclusion that she will help me because she's lost someone too. She will help me out of pity. That couldn't be further from the truth. Yep. Or maybe it is because by the, that point in the movie, she does she seem does as a, yeah. a, a thing I pity. And <laughs> try to argue definitively for either side of that case. I don't think he can. Sure, I agree. I, I think this movie is is real deep and real interesting, and I I really enjoy it. And if you'd like to hear us talk about another Christopher Nolan film in excruciating detail, I will link the uh, uh, the deep dive we did on Blue Yonder for the Inception podcast in the show notes. Okay, little little uh, double dip bonus for you. Cool. Uh, yeah, we want to thank Andrew M. Andrew Mount for Andrew Mount, the commissioner. The commissioner for uh commissioning this podcast single-handedly keeping bald move afloat yeah definitely uh no i i really appreciate you doing that and i'm glad i got to rewatch this this close to pimping jim out his sweet ass on the street and then we got the commission and you get to retain your virtue yet again Uh, well i could retain my virtue if i just got amnesia (laughs) i would think i retained my well that's an interesting philosophical question (laughs) just because you get 
Just because I don't remember. Just because you're sexually, uh, you're sold to sexual slavery. If you can't remember it, are you really sold to sexual slavery? Doesn't matter. I don't know. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Andrew, uh, for commissioning this. How how do people commission a podcast if they want to? What you want to do is go to baldmove.com slash shop, and there's a big image of a film reel that says custom podcast. Click on that, and that's that's how you lock it in. Yep. Okay, cool. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're going to have another one of these things next Monday, I'm pretty sure, time permitting. So if you're uh, interested in either Kung Fu Hustle or Shaun of the Dead, we're not sure which one yet. Stay tuned. Yeah. We'll see you then.